In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witnessed. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming, but everybody can see that moment where I just saw it. are going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. All right. On your mark. I already hit it. Set. Go. That's the red one is faster. Oh. (laughs) I'm out of batteries. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is. All right. One second. Perfect. Oh my gosh. Okay. Also in that case, I'm going to cut this and jump over to chat. Um, Brandon. Yes. How Blaine got that hat and pulled it out of the box and has mostly been wearing it every, every time I've seen him. Um, for those of you who don't know, that hat um, was the one that he requested from the February Experiment episode. And uh, I got to say, we got like some really awesome hats from that, from folks just sending something they liked to um, sending in the Buffalo hat that Blaine requested to all sorts of things. And uh, the wives are not quite so stoked about that experiment because they felt like we had enough hats already. But uh, I don't know. I got some of my favorite ones now. Um, this awesome pink one with turtles on it. A Kuyu hat. These Patagonia hats. Like, I think I came out on top of that. So thank you guys for sending those in. And <laughs> yeah, Ben... I, figured that uh, most folks would be able to resonate with feeling mediocre. We've got some stories that really kicked that off uh, while Blaine puts in his AA batteries here. Oh, I actually don't even have any, so I'm just going to have to record. (laughs) (laughs) Barry's going to be so mad. All right, well, I'm going to record on this, and uh, we're kicking off here. Okay, we're live. Hey, guys, welcome back to the Ensigns Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Blaine. And, and today, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to step all over you, Sam. That's perfect. Because that's how I respond to insecurity. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Yep. And what's making you insecure this morning, Blaine? This is the first episode that people, uh, some guys get to watch live. So a uh, little plug for those of you who are following the podcast, just know and Sons has moved over to Patreon. It works better to get materials to young guys. Uh, and Sons is the most inefficient, deliberately inefficient business model maybe ever. Mm-hmm. We try and to ignore best practice. It, it works out really well. Yeah, so we realized last year that we could actually get more stuff to more guys if we took away podcast subscriptions, took away operating like a magazine and just decided to fuel the platform through Patreon. And it would also give us more opportunities to connect with you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're learning more and more of your actual names and stories. And I love that. So there's a subscription tier, everything above that. I think also we invite once a month to come watch a podcast recording live and ask questions. And this is the first morning and it is going 
Perfectly. seamlessly. Yes, right. And the hope is that as we get these dialed in, that we'll be able to do more and more of them. But excited today. And rather than feel like we're walking around with a swagger, we are talking about feeling like not enough, feeling uh, diminished, feeling... Um, and, and let me begin with some stories. So this this began a day, we, we had just finished recording a podcast conversation on um, engaging entertainment and films and movies and, and really trying to feel grounded in the stories that you're telling. So that will have aired by now. But as we walked out of that conversation, we walked into a, a meeting that we typically have where we start pitching ideas about what are we going to record the next month? What are some things that are fresh? What are some things that we've been wrestling with? And uh, we asked... Uh, Alex on the team for a recommendation on uh, some, somebody he might know that would be a great person to interview. And because we might end up interviewing this person, I'm going to start going a little bit vague. Are you going to do the details? I don't, think it, I don't think it takes anything away from the interview we may do to know that this person just totally intimidated us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So th- like, there's no hiding who they are once we describe. That's nah, true. Okay. So padding. he's like, oh, this, this guy, he's incredible. He um, owned this uh, bike shop. They've done the Colorado Trail on bikes, Alex and this guy, which is a fairly impressive feat. Um, yeah, hundreds mul- of miles. Multiple days, Colorado Trail running on this ridge line and mountain passes. And um, so a fairly intense guy. He's like, you should, you should ask him the story about how he lost sight in his eye. We're like, oh, okay. Like must bike related? He's like, no. It was related to, he was doing a first ascent of a new route of a mountain in the Himalayas. Um, what is it over the 8,000 meter mark? Um, yes. For those of us in the States who literally never think about meters. Uh, multiply that by like three point something. <laughs> it's slightly less than a yard. Anyway, one of the formidable peaks. And he goes on to tell a story of they're almost at the top and this ice chunk breaks off and hits him in the head. And his two buddies who they're doing the route with need to get him out of there to try and save him to try and save the eye because it's getting super dangerous. I mean, this is a dangerous thing anyway, let alone when you've got a head injury. He starts getting, is it uh, pulmonary edema or the symptoms of? That's a cerebral edema. Cerebral edema. Not good. Potentially fatal. So they decide to, to bail on the summit and they start doing this epic descent and evac. I mean, they're two days from the nearest town once they reach the bottom. So they get to the bottom. One of the guys is so shredded from trying to keep these guys moving and alive that he literally can't go on. So so they tuck him in a snow cave yeah, and, and say, then, hike out when you wake up. Right. So the guy with the injury and another guy start going out. And eventually the guy with the guy who loses the eye or loses the, the vision, he's too exhausted. He can't go on. And he has to just drop where he is and and wait till he's recovered enough. So the guy with the injury continues on by himself, does what should be done in two days in one day, manages to get back to like Kathmandu or something. Um, I mean, they're in Nepal, near India, and he gets on a flight, gets to Seattle, and like in Seattle is finally where they start dealing with the eye. And they're like amazed at where he just came from. So you're like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, no, for sure. That's like, that's a story, I guess. Cool. Um, but Alex goes on with other feats of this particular person, Blaine. Yeah. This is where it started to really hit home. <laughs> As Alex just goes, not only does he have unrepeated first descents all over the Canadian Rockies, but when he 
was in the cycling industry. He got to ride with pro cyclists, which obviously I want to ride with all the pro cyclists, but me on an e-bike and them on yeah, yeah, a yeah. bike with flat tires. There's actually and, the U.S. training here for the Olympic team. And I've been passed by pelotons of them on certain bike paths here. And it's it's a humbling humbling experience. You feel like you're It's a, a ridiculous experience. So he's yeah. biking with a couple of these guys. He's biking with a couple of these guys. And they, their response to him is not, it's so fun that, you know, even with your injuries and you're able to still go on a bike, their response is, wow, you're such a great cyclist. Why aren't you a domestique on the tour? I mean, this guy is strong. And for those of you that it, don't know what a domestique is, that is the guys on a team who are powerful enough to pull their team to victory. So they've got like a lead rider who may be a great hill climber or sprinter. And the domestiques are basically like his support and protection and sometimes genuinely like the real muscle, like they're going to burn these guys. So for them to go, how come you're not riding on the pro circuit? Is like, okay, so he's, he's lost his eye in the Himalayas. He's done all these first ascents. He started a business. He's, he's been told by the pros that he's like amazing. And I just looked at Blade and I was like, I just feel, I feel like I'm mediocre at everything. I know. We got to ping some of the other stories too. Yes. So you're telling me, is Isaac watching? Need someone home. I don't think so. Um, but Isaac, you know who you are. Yeah. And <laughs> we like you a lot. And we celebrate your achievements and the way that they're productive for our internal lives. <laughs> so there's a friend of ours uh, who we met at a Wild at Heart event several years ago who had al- also did triathlon, was also a runner, and he's doing some challenges this year. And so you've been tracking with him a little bit more mm-hmm. and you saw that he had just run a marathon. Yeah. So you checked the stats and he had run a marathon and qualified for Boston. <laughs> right. His average pace was somewhere around six and a half minute miles. Isaac, great job, man. Could not be more proud of you. Lord. Like that's, I and, mean, but set at a time when you and I look at each other and I'm like, we could not go outside and run one six and a half minute mile right now. Like it just would not. Uh, Getting sub yeah. seven would be awesome right now. <laughs> so some of the experiences came together and it was interesting. <clears throat> you and I were going to swim that afternoon. And as we began swapping notes in the car, I realized, wait, you feel like mediocre at everything too? Yeah. It feels like one of those statements that I think most guys in their late 20s and probably beyond all resonate with. I'll I'll hear that and go, oh, yeah. Because I scroll through my social media, the very little that I'm on, and... Yeah, you should get off that. Well, (laughs) I would love to if I wasn't managing accounts. But... uh, this May, this is my 10-year anniversary of graduating from my undergrad. So somehow that happened, and I've oh, got gray nice. hairs, and I've got gray whiskers, and I, I don't know, 32 sounds young to me now. But I can't help but see and track all of these other people's trajectories. I mean, I see the guy who was the, literally, from my high school, he was the varsity quarterback, and he lives in a trailer in Texas. Then there's the guy who was the super outgoing friendly, ruggedly handsome car from a mold and, and popped out of a box who's 
you know, realtor of the year in his state and is just, he needs a rake for all of the cash. And then there's the old roommate who became the county psychologist and is seeing hundreds of unique clients a week that are typically there because the court mandated them to. So not only like these physical examples of guys who are going out for adventure or running ridiculous marathons, but also these other metrics of success. Like we've just, it's impossible not to look out there and go, oh, like I, I think, I think I'm way more mediocre than I actually want to be. And I don't know if that's true because when we mentioned it to Padre, I'm like, you know, hey, we're going to do this topic. He immediately sort of gave like a scoffing laugh and was like, oh, the spirit of diminishment is back, huh? But I wanted to like shake him and go like, no, you've just forgotten what it's like to be in this stage of life and to look around and go like, oh, it's, it's the stuff that Morgan highly resonates with in this stage of feeling behind in most areas of, of having the wrong lens or metric for self-assessment and success. But I, I, it's, it's so there that I hear a story of somebody doing something awesome and I'm like, I will never be that. I will, I'm, I'm mm. not. Mm. I think it's a combination of a couple things for me. One is that I don't find my, I don't experience my everyday life as easy. So one part of this is my life looks very normal in this season where it's get up, make the kids breakfast, try to get them both dressed before I need to go do some work things. Oh, shoot. There's always that one thing that nobody thought of in the morning that's going to mix up the schedule. And then it will be a pretty normal day. And I have a pretty normal, actually, I have a way less than normal car. The car I drive was ruled as a total loss back in 2018. Uh, She's running like a dream. And... (laughs) I have that car to take care of. I have some grass to take care of. And I don't breeze through my days Mm -hmm. going, man, uh, my relationships, not demanding. What I'm trying to resolve and, you know, live into with my friends and community here in town, uh, easy. And so there's feeling it, like experiencing it as difficult, And I think that, especially for me, later in the 20s, it feels like the verdicts start to come in. Mm. And so, because you hit those milestones, you hit 10 years since you've graduated and you have this, oh, well, where am I? How do I measure up just in terms of like a thriving character achievement with other guys my age for whom the verdicts are beginning to come in. And the interesting thing for me is that mediocre doesn't feel like mediocre. Mediocre feels like being found out as a failure. (laughs) Totally. No, to be anything less than exceptional feels like failure. So if you're like, you had a pretty good day, you did a pretty good mile run, you did a pretty good project, you were a pretty good husband. It's like still, eh, that was, that wasn't exceptional. You didn't, you, you had 
failings in it. Therefore, you have these things that you can point to and go, no, that wasn't good enough. That wasn't enough in any of these categories. Something that we think about a lot and then the inverse of is Dallas Willard's comment that action reveals belief. But I think the inverse is also true. As we've been exploring reality and the mind and perception, your belief will also inform your action as much as your action informs your belief. And this like this back and forth road. And so just have been so aware of the days where that mediocre thing gets in and it, the sun might as well set. Like we were driving and it was before lunch. It was 11 o'clock when we were going to the, to the swim um, reservation we had after hearing these stories. And it was like, oh, I just put a tack in today. Put a period at the end. Like the, the, the sentence of mediocre at everything has entered and it's inescapable for some reason. And therefore it's going to inform now all of my actions for the rest of the day. They're going to inform the ways that I'm going to live, the ways I'm going to parent, the ways I'm going to, I, I don't know, assess what I can offer at work. And I was just, I mean, it was like depression got in and I'm ready just to curl up into a fetal position and just start rocking and be like, oh, okay. Like what, if that's, if that's the verdict of me, if that's the verdict of reality, then why bother? Why try? Like that is a huge piece of the posture at Anson's is, is, is trying to trying to remember what the day is about, what the year yes. is about, what the decade is about. And it feels like there is no shortage of techniques thrown at us to completely derail it or discourage Maybe I really am a failure because I'm not the top selling real estate agent. Um, well, you for sure. <laughs> well, what's interesting, we've had this conversation um, with parents that the data on being a good parent or not, and maybe we've talked about this before in a podcast, the perfect parent and the negligent or the bad parent for however way that manifests itself, they're actually equally damaging. They have... They have poor outcomes for the kids if you err on either side of the extreme. The parents that have the best outcomes for kids, they develop like the healthiest kids and the healthiest relationships are the, they literally are called like the good enough parent, which feels at once like totally hopeful. And how could that possibly be true? But if it's true, does it apply to other categories in this season as well? beyond parenting? Yes. Yeah, it's such a good question. We've had a couple of weeks now to think about this. And like we do around here, after realizing, wow, I've been living under this. I've been having this experience for weeks or maybe months now without verbalizing it, without having a conversation with a person. Then after that to go, oh yeah, what are some of the basic tools that we have mined from older guys over the course of this project um, that we can use to handle this? And one of the very obvious ones, I remember simply an older guy recommending, ask God to tell you more 
about the experience. Mm -hmm. And for example, if it's condemnation, it's just totally unhelpful. And there, I remember our conversation with Tim Thornton at the end of our episode of reading the Bible, and he talked about not receiving appraisals from men and ways that in certain contexts, the Greek word doxa can be appraisals. And when Jesus goes, I don't, ex- I don't accept doxa from man. It's not, I don't accept praise from people. It's, I don't accept appraisals. No, I, and so there, if it is just landing, I feel so mediocre. I was wondering, well, I am holding out here for the fathering of God. But then pivoting over and go, yeah, but I'm not just going to refuse this because I also want to know, is there some element of this that is uh, conviction bringing? It doesn't feel like that because it doesn't feel good. There's not the relief of something being identified. Uh, And then I think there's the category that's just, this hurts, this feels defeating, Mm -hmm. and I can Angela Duckworth it and just rally and grip my teeth and go, you know. Who, who, what, now it? Clearly, you're behind on best-selling performance books, Sam. Yeah, Uh, all of them. Pause. The reason that she comes up is over the past two weeks, knowing that we were going to record, I've asked basically every guy my age or younger that I've run into, what do you do when you feel like you might just be on the level of identity kind of mediocre, you know? And I've gotten, uh, I've gotten intriguing responses. The majority response has been this, oh, what do you do? You feel that way? And it's like, oh, nice. That makes me feel good because you seem to really have your act together in some areas. So little did you know. Then there have been encountering other people's strategies for handling that experience. And the strategies have varied uh, based on kind of where they are in their story. And so Mm -hmm. not going, some guys were just totally off. I don't think they were. I think then I had to follow up and be like, why is your response to that experience really intense right now? Why is your response to that experience really gentle right now? What's going on? And mm-hmm. But good old Angela Duckworth is a heck of a last name for a really, really brilliant person. She's got <laughs> awesome. She's the fan. Oh, my gosh. I, comment, you guys. Who's read the book, Grit? Come on. You all know who you are. You're entrepreneurs or you're people who are obsessed with special operations or you're something such. And she's like, what Mike's high achievers they like what they do and they have high levels of perseverance. It's almost full stop. And so the, I'm going to go out and here and say, if one person has read this with you, that um, I will be surprised, but, but go ahead. Tell us what this is about. We got here via the channel of what do you do with the emotional experience that the feeling provokes, that feeling mediocre provokes. And what tool do you apply? Do you apply the tool that's, well, you know, when you start to feel mediocre, yeah, you probably are, but you got to remember it takes a lot longer than you think. And don't quit. Never quit. Uh, And it's like, that is actually true. And 
that advice is not bad, but it seems to be missing something. Therapist Sam? <laughs> I'm over here trying to keep tabs on seeing whether anybody's actually read this. And it looks like you know, some people have never heard of this before. And maybe one person's read something by her. I'm really intrigued, Blaine, by not only our response to feeling mediocre and then what you do about it, but whether people think that's an accurate assessment or whether they think that there's like a destiny of not being that. Because A, aside on culture, I think because of our moment in time, we're told from a lot of different venues, a lot of different directions that you are the most amazing thing that's ever happened on the planet. Thank you, mom. I really appreciate you telling me that. It really feels good. She and there's, you there's places where like, I'm, I'm not going to bash on culture at large because there's elements of truth to it that just get blown out of proportion to promote the self. So the elements of truth of it are, you are the only you. The world will only get what you have to offer. And what you have to offer is powerful and unique. And the glorification of the self is also a really dangerous place to go and a place that the world would love you to go. So that's why, as I begin to think about how long do we think mediocre is going to last? Eventually, I'm going to like hit my stride and the world's going to um, acknowledge me for the, the wonder that I am. I love Anne Lamott's Bird by Bird, her book on writing. And she describes what it's like when she's published a book and the book comes out that day. And like, you have given this creative birth to the world. And she said that she waits by the phone for the call to let her know that the parade is on its way because the book has been written. Yes. Here they come. And I, I feel like, I feel like that sometimes where that's in the back of my head of like, when is the, when's the call going to come? Or they're like, okay, Sam. So it turns out you've actually been living in the Truman show and this has all been about you. And it's like, oh yeah, that feels really good. And now I'm like elevated. Those are really dangerous and uh, revealing answers to the question of, do I think this is going to end this experience of being mediocre that way? So some, some thoughts in that direction. Some thoughts in the other, other direction. I'm really curious what we do when we feel it, how, how we numb it, how we handle it. Um, I think there's, well, I began with numb because I think that is the first invitation and the first direction we might take it as a response to, I don't like feeling this way. I don't like feeling not enough. And therefore I do want to numb it. I do want to medicate it. I want to go to places that feel like they have a different narrative of me. We might throw this in the show notes. I know that Alan, our uh, producer would love us to, but because of the region of the world that this happened in and the things that are happening now, I don't know that we will. I, I mean, are you, okay, now I feel like we're going to get restrepo Like, what are you, <laughs> there, there was maybe really you shouldn't talk about this. No, no, no. There was a really interesting article written um, by a Catholic scholar, and they were commenting on the intentional strategy by one side in a conflict to flood the other side's media with pornography because they knew that that would essentially and effectively take away the fire from the young men. So they just started broadcasting it on their almost all of their television channels to combat rebellion, to combat physical acts of rebellion, because they knew that if they could medicate and distract, they would take away 
what makes men men. They knew that they would take away the fire and the focus. And so that's, that's where part of my goes to like when we want to medicate and not feel mediocre, that's going to be a place that feels really tempting because it's going to go, Hey, you're not mediocre and you're important and you're the strongest and you go, yes, it is. And also heads up. That's like a literal tactic to completely take you out from being who you are. Now, when you and I got to the pool, our form of medicating that feeling was to go like super, super hard. We were supposed to just do um, a swim drill where we sort of worked hard um, going down the length of the pool and then recovered on the way back. But I think we took it to like 110%. And the guy that was with us, there were three of us, you, me, and another guy, like we, we just left him behind. Right. He well, got to the end know, of the workout. I was like, what is going First triathlon. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He was like, what's going on with you guys? I'm like, well, you're not encountering our normal pacing. You are encountering Sam and Blaine trying to overcome feeling mediocre by burning really, 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 really hot and proving it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Proving Satan wrong is not a very effective strategy with that particular entity either. <laughs> but, dude, yeah, exactly. What do you do? Medication. Uh, what are the responses? And, you know, we've mentioned accusation. You have, I have, but I would make a very fine point on, it'll always behoove you to silence the voice of the accuser. That's like always an advantage, especially when you're dealing with questions of identity. The next thing in response for me sitting in the experience a little bit mm -hmm. has been how much it touches on how deep the desire for fathering, mentorship, the presence of God really goes because I feel like my life is comparatively rich with fathering from multiple men and there is no replacement whatsoever for feeling like God is interested in my development and is taking part because yeah, I'm the, I think that actually historically I've leaned more on, well, I actually, well, no, maybe I really am in the data amazing. And that's going to be my response to this pervasive accusation, right. but I'm in a life stage right now where it looks like the data points the other way. And so what do I do when I can't go? Well, you know, but I'm, I'm studying a very hard topic in grad school uh, or, well, but, you know, my mom listens to my podcast and come on, like, or like, hey, I managed to buy a house. But you're like, yeah, but how is that house doing now that you've been in there for three years? Like, I felt like if I were to make a frank assessment, it would just be, okay. Some things are okay. Some things are not good. Looks really good from the outside. And that, but not even that. It depends on which side of the outside you're on. The yeah, house itself good looks good. Mm -hmm. I think so, that's actually, if you look right, right at the door of the shed that I'm in right now, it's like pest angle. Yeah. That, that way you can't see the apple dirt pile tree. and the rotting lumber. And the I trash. moved the dirt pile, but the yeah, rotting yeah. lumber is still there. Uh, no, exactly. When I feel like the data points the other way and the, I'm just going to prove this wrong, uh, is shown to be as radically ineffective as it is um, because like the enemy doesn't get tired of hating you, everybody. It doesn't 
wear him out and he thinks he's going to try something else. I'm going to put an asterisk here and maybe tell a funny story. But what gets tricky is like, man, I feel so mediocre. Wow, this is touching on new places that want to feel like the father is going to train me, lead me into something worthwhile and do something uh, in my life that I would get to be a part of something great, even if the target, which it usually is, is only joy for me, friends, community, family, like that there's a kind of life coming out. But wow, I think the experience that goes hand in hand with, oh, what do I do with not feeling very amazing and with more and more of the evidence feeling like it points at normal at best uh, and the way that it makes me really go, wow, I have maybe been overlooking places in me that really, really want to be fathered by God. Those are accessible now. And so what are the ancient tactics that we've been studying for handling that experience? Because I think that can be really positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is the direction that as we kind of now shift for a few minutes of responses that we've learned that are healthy rather than medicating. Um, I think Padre's reaction while disconnected is also not off base where he sort of goes, Oh, the spirit of diminishment has gotten back in. Like that would be a really good place to begin and to, to go, okay, hang on. Is there a verdict that's getting in that is this like blanket, this cloud layer that has just filled in everything. Like the San Francisco fog has just rolled in and I'm just seeing through this now. That would be a really good place to begin to go. Okay if a spirit of diminishment is operating here, I want to break off that and begin to ask the father for his interpretation for this season. What is this about? I mean, right back to things that we've said probably a dozen or so times over the course of this podcast. When I look at my kids, my kids are four and three, and we've got a now a two month old as of this recording. And if my goal for the season is being present to them and training them in the ways that they need to behave. That's a very different goal than we need to be checking off all these adventures and living this family life that I really thought we would be living. A lot of people offer that, hey, this season is about training your kids so that you can enjoy a healthy family culture down the road. I'm like, wait, so the healthy family culture, they're not like supposed to be perfect all the time right now. And eventually they will be perfect. Just like I was a perfect um, child. Like that is a very (laughs) helpful orientation to go, what is this season about? What is this job about? What is this race about? Um, I've gone for runs where I start going out and I feel the the nudge from the father of, hey, this one's for going hard. Like you've, you've got a lot of frustration in your week and it's you... You can let that out here and really it's not going to be punishing your body. This is going to be like burning up some of that frustration. And then I've had some runs where I feel fine. I'm rested and I get out there and I can tell my heart is weary. And I felt the father go like this one, you were meant to go slower than you want Strava to say that you ran. Yeah. Just turn it off that day. And (laughs) it's because your heart needs kindness and it's not you failing at being a runner that's not you failing it, doing a pace or a training for the day. That is 
realizing what that is about for that moment. That's a very, very good recommendation. I think the one that I would add, oh, and by the way, this would be a uh, ideal time, guys, to start throwing a question or two from either a recent episode or this conversation into the comments because with the delay, uh, we'll see them roughly after this thought, which is going to take exactly 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. I think a question that has been helpful for me in this category has also been, and this is actually my wife's recommendation, thank you, God, is ask the father where to look for him hmm. and to go, because, oh my gosh, I can like jump into a project and say a very sincere like invocation, father, I ask you to father me in this art or this conversation, or, you know, I'm jumping into, I'm going to, I'm going to take another crack at fixing this bike problem, bother me, and then launch in. And sometimes it works, but it has mixed results, if I'm honest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> weird. It has been really productive recently to ask the father before I start something, by the way, where should I look for you? He might say something as specific as like in the details, like pay attention to the story, pay attention, use your narrative ability, pay attention to the story and you'll see me. Or it might be in this book or in the song or invite someone else to be a part of it. Or, But often enough, there's this body of experiences building up going, where I want to be fathered, I know you are, where should I look for you to see you? Mm-hmm. So that I also don't kind of insist that you show up in one way where I'll feel you and then get really frustrated because you were interested in something else. Super good. Okay. I'm going to switch over here to the YouTube chat. But for those of you who are watching this, after the fact. Thanks for jumping in and tuning in. Um, we hope that you guys are able to join us live at some point in the future. And we're, we are really excited about this format. We're excited about getting to interact with a few of you who have really thrown your hats in to join and sons in the mission of the initiation of a young man's soul of pursuing the father, pursuing wholeheartedness. And, uh, we're really, I don't know, maybe next time you see us, we'll actually be back in the studio and not be wrestling with uh, this particular virus sh- shutting things down as we know it. So I don't yes. know. We're, we're excited for iterations going down the road. Okay. Great things in the comments, you guys. First, first question, Timothy, you've added it to your Amazon list. Does that count for anything? Yes, it does. Nine-tenths of the battle right there. Uh, next, <laughs> Brandon, who we can vouch for is an excellent dude. Uh, just calling out that in this season, uh, this is a really interesting thing to name too, in terms of diagnosing what is the pain about. And, you know, we have Brandon here calling out that actually right now, God calling out that he is unimpressive and yet loved Mm. is something that God is using to address his heart, that it's not, it's not striving. It's not do the right thing and then you get the life you want. It's experiencing, actually, you're pretty normal. And yet, 
you get to enjoy intimacy with God and you can't earn him. He is just for you. And that that's really productive in his story. So really yeah. great additional example of how do you diagnose it? That's super good. You got something else there, Blaine? I'm over here reading 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31. So thanks for that, uh, Tim. Uh, uh, nope. T- take it in for a landing, Sam. I would just say, guys, thanks for jumping on. It's great to be with you uh, in an odd way. It is actually productive to the camaraderie of this experience. It is. We care about you guys. We like you guys. Thanks for following us. And uh, if you have a question in the meantime, you can send it in. Otherwise, we'll track with you guys next time after Sam lands this bad boy. Yeah, right. I mean, if anybody watching this after the fact can still uh, post questions or comments, our, our hope is to actually um, begin the next live stream with some responses to folks that aren't able to tune in live because it's a work day. It's the morning. Folks listen to the podcast from all over the world, which is humbling, ridiculous. And we're honored. So thank you guys for jumping on with us for this first ever uh, live stream from our garage. I hope you guys have been enjoying the uh, view of my bins and um, this giant replacement pantry behind me. Um, Home projects go perfectly smoothly the first time is what I've learned. And uh, bins with baby clothes too. So that's a real, it's just real feeling. Give me the interpretation, Jesus, for the season. So thank you guys. Um, looking forward to connecting with you down the road. And uh, we'll be continuing to post over on Patreon for the, the scheduling for that. The hope is to do them the first Thursday of the month, uh, probably more at like 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. But uh, we'll keep you guys posted. Thanks for joining. 